You're listening to On the Go with VAO News Podcast for the week ending July 17th, 2015. Hi, welcome back. Thanks for joining us today for the podcast. I am Bill Olver, VAO content developer and senior news writer. And I'm Derek Curran, Bill's colleague, news writer and content developer. And as usual, we're going to have some discussion later in the podcast about an interesting tidbit that caught our eye this week. But first, we're going to start with some headlines. Dara? The Office of Management and Budget has released a series of memoranda uh, outlining its priorities for fiscal year 2017. These included a number of science and technology initiatives, such as promoting clean and renewable energy, strengthening the manufacturing sector, and developing technologies that defend U.S. systems against cyber attacks. So timely and ties into our next item. Catherine Archuleta, director of the Office of Personal Management, announced last Friday that she would step down from her post. Her resignation came a month after OPM announced its discovery of a cyber attack in which the personally identifiable information of millions of federal employees and contractors was stolen. OMB Deputy Director for Management Beth Kobear will step in to serve as acting OPM director. GSA had a busy week. On Monday, the agency launched a new tool that will let agency buyers view and query data from its one acquisition solution for integrated services, professional services contract. The OASIS dashboard allows users to view and segment data from the OASIS and OASIS small business contracts by agency and contractor and to build and download custom reports. The dashboard is updated in real time and breaks down data by task order, agency, and bureau, which can be filtered to provide a view of the number and dollar value of task orders at multiple levels. Reports also can be downloaded into an Excel spreadsheet for additional analysis. At a virtual industry day on Thursday, GSA previewed a new program called Advantage Select. This is intended to make it easier for agencies to buy commodity IT and other commodity products. Under Advantage Select, GSA will award short-term BPAs that leverage existing contractor inventories and establish tiered pricing discounts for commodity items. Contracts will go to a single provider and would last only a few months. And the intention here is to save agencies time awarding their own BPAs and managing paperwork. To test the concept, GSA has issued an initial solicitation for 22-inch computer monitors. The resulting BPA is expected to expire in March of 2016 and would max out at about $2 million. Additional products under consideration for future BPAs are laptops and uh, printing devices. GSA also released a request for information for its Alliant 2 contract, the follow-on to its Alliant GWAC for IT solutions. One of the tracks on Alliant is leading-edge technologies, and for Alliant 2, GSA is reducing the number of categories in that track from 17 to 10. Uh, For example, GSA is dropping 3D printing, agile software development, and smart building technologies, among other areas. Remaining on the list are categories such as big data, cloud computing, cybersecurity, health IT, and mobile IT. And GSA is asking for feedback on the definitions of these 10 categories. Major corporations are continuing to win contracts that had been intended for small businesses, according to the American Small Business League Advocacy Group. Despite the Small Business Administration's recent good news that the government exceeded its small business contracting goals for fiscal 2014, the League reported that over 60 Fortune 500 firms won small business contracts that same year, with awards between $2.5 and $7.5 million going to companies such as IBM, 
Boeing, and General Dynamics. In a statement, SBA noted that how a contract is coded in a database does not necessarily mean that the award was taken away from a small business, and pointed out that if it has a clear protest process that small businesses or even contracting officers can use if a large firm submits on a bid that has been set aside for small businesses. A recent review of the U.S. Postal Service's software development processes found the agency can do a better job of managing risk and maintaining documentation. According to the Agency Office of Inspector General, project teams did not always adhere to approved development methodologies or fully complete all required development phases. For example, testing was not always completed on the final product, and in two cases, requirements development wasn't conducted until the testing phase. OIG recommended the agency more clearly assign roles and responsibilities for each process stage and ensure thorough analysis, documentation, and testing is completed prior to production. The Department of Energy has distributed a form that contractors must use to comply with drug testing requirements. Contracting officials are asked to distribute the Forensic Drug Testing Custody and Control Form and an accompanying memo to their contractors. Now, one caution, although the form closely resembles the Federal Drug Testing Custody and Control Form, that form is intended only for use when testing federal employees, not contractor staff. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission has issued new guidance to heighten awareness of existing regulations and how they apply to oversight of counterfeit, fraudulent, and suspect items in the nuclear industry. This guidance is available on NRC's website. The Department of Defense's compliance with contractor past performance reporting continues to increase. The third quarter of fiscal 2015 showed a reporting rate of 83.29% up from 80.82% in the prior quarter. DOD is aiming for 100% compliance for the year. Defense Procurement and Acquisition Policy Director Claire Grady also issued the results of department-wide competition reporting for the quarter. The department achieved a 52.4% competition rate against a goal of 59% for the year. The top former among components was the U.S. Transportation Command, knocking it out of the park with 98.8% almost perfect compliance, and they were the only one that was over 90%. And finally, the comment period for a proposed rule that would implement Executive Order 13673 on fair pay and safe workplaces has been extended to August 11th. And we've talked about that order and the proposed rule a few times on the podcast, and it's generated quite a bit of discussion in industry and in Congress. (laughs) Yes, uh, the due date for comments on the Department of Labor's related guidance, which also implements the executive order, is also being extended to August 11th, 2015. And that's all I have uh, for headlines this week. Um, Dara, something interesting uh, caught my eye. I think you wrote this article for the Daily News. Yes, the uh, the study uh, on government contractors. Okay, so the market research firm Deltec uh, did a survey of about 300 contractors. Now, they are mostly located in the DMV area, and they do get the majority of their income from federal agencies. And one thing that I was struck with as I was reading through this was uh, – just, you know, a takeaway of, oh, they're just like us. They're, <laughs> the problems are, are kind of uniform um, between the federal contracting community, whether it's on the agency side or on the provider side. Right, right. They're, they've had a hard time with that funding uncertainty, right. you know, sequestration, the budget cuts. Um, you know, a lot of them are holding off on major investments just to see how things are, how things proceed, how things go. Unfortunately, it does seem like things have smoothed out. Uh, you know, they're no longer jumping on contracts like there's, you know, chum in the water, you know, just to grab onto anything, you know, that's coming out of the government. Um, growth is still pretty flat. Um, it's about 6%, which is um, 6% profit, which is not, 
not great, but not bad. Um, you know, most most of these contractors now, it seems like they're focusing on their core business, right? They're not they're not going after things uh, that are far afield from their core capabilities. Um, they're looking for things that really closely align with their their business objectives, which is kind of like what agencies are doing, right? You know, pulling back on extraneous stuff and really focusing on the core of what they need to be doing. Yeah, and, you know, there was an intriguing thing here, too. They are kind of, you know, they're moving their eggs around the baskets, right? So um, although they are focusing on their core federal capabilities, um, they're also doing some moving back with the, you know, commercial sector, too, just to kind of balance things out because that, you know, hedges against any, you know, future downturns in federal budgets. And, you know, one thing that I wondered is, one of the strategies that we talked about um, last week when we mentioned the innovation and transformation efforts that agencies uh, have is, um, you know, one thing they often employ is moving people around to, you know, different parts of the organization and uh, and also even to different agencies. And so I wondered here if there would be a little bit of, you know, flow back and forth with you know, as they move more into maybe commercial sector things, like are they are they going to be bringing some interesting lessons home, um, and that that could then be moved out into the government sector. So you know, obviously we'll see about that, but that just sort of popped to mind. And you know, also a really cool thing that I was happy to see was the better performers here for federal agencies, they got more money. Um, firms who reported that. They were delivering um, approximately 90% of their projects either on or under budget. They had almost twice as much profit as other businesses, um, and I thought that was really cool. So it's, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's it's interesting. It's also kind of fights like go figure, right? <laughs> do it, do it right the first time, and it's less expensive than having to redo your work or play catch up or you know, fix your mistakes. So that, that's actually great to hear. And you know, I hope some people take that to heart. Oh, yeah, definitely. And also then, of course, you know, repeat business because, hey, when you're, you know, evaluating past right. performance, look at how well they did. They actually saved money last time. And so, you know, that was that was really neat. It was kind of funny because the study was like, take away here, do better. <laughs> <laughs> do better work. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, and, you know, it, there was also, this was sort of an invisible thing. And I, I thought this was cool to have this pointed out to me. Okay, audits. Um, contractors are reporting more audits than ever, and they did specifically decide the defense contract uh, audit agency working through that backlog we know they have as a factor here. And uh, so, you know, there's more audits, and, and this is anywhere throughout the process that these are occurring more and more frequently. And so when that call comes, they're having to marshal a lot of their internal resources to respond to that. You know, they have to allocate their humans, they have to allocate funding, you know, everybody sort of stops work and, and digs for stuff. And, and especially when these are referring to pretty ancient projects, you know, they got to dig really far back in their paperwork. So, you know, with only a 6% profit margin to deal with, you know, every everything that takes a, a significant chunk is, is you know, it's constraining other things they could be doing that with. Um, and so, you know, it, it was a growth constraint for them to have this big uptick in audits. Now, of course, on the federal side, everybody knows you want to get the audits done in a timely manner to determine how it went in terms of performance before you award more contracts to the same company. You want to recoup any overages or question costs. But, you know, I didn't always think of it from the contractor perspective. Reporting burdens. Yeah, sure. When they roll out a new one of those, uh, new regulations are saying, oh, you got to start sending in, you know, compile this information and send it here or send it there. I think, oh, gosh, you know, that's that's a bummer. Poor age. 
agencies per contractors they have to apply with this, but audits are just part of the cost of doing business, much like the RFP process. And I don't know, I thought it was valuable to have this sort of invisible thing pointed out to me. Um, it's a big thing to get those done, especially when someone is like, oh, bring me all your paperwork from 2006. <laughs> so I'm sure everybody's going to breathe a sigh of relief on both sides of the equation when that backlog has been whittled down and its current history being brought under the audit microscope. Right, right. Yeah, it's a lot easier to bring up, you know, current current projects and review your current costs than, than to go digging back. You know, other thing in this report that's interesting, um, you know, and it's another funding constraint, and, and obviously this is not an area where you want to scrimp on, and that's cybersecurity investments. Uh, respondents in this survey um, have been making more investments in network and data protection over the last two years, and a lot of them have embraced, you know, the cloud um, for you know, less critical items, you know, social media, um, you know, less sensitive data. Um, but they've actually uh, started to balk when it came to more sensitive data, things like, uh, you know, financial uh, management systems. Mm. And this is another area that's being affected uh, by sequestration. If a you know, big cut comes down the pike, contractors don't want to be caught in the middle of some huge infrastructure improvement, right, some huge investment. Uh, that's more secure, obviously, but also very, very expensive. Yeah, and then funding uh, dries up. Ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> so you know, you know. Meanwhile, they're they're making do with legacy systems, um, which reminds us of of who? Yes, who else is struggling <laughs> with that? Right. Uh, you know, and they're trying to keep a variety of systems secure and you know, kind of under wraps, and that's a, you know, that's a security challenge itself, you know, doing multiple, using multiple systems and having, you know, different requirements for each. So, yeah, they're, so the, the, the funding pinch is also hurting the way our contractors are securing their systems. Interesting. Anyway, just, yeah, really, really cool report. It's just, it's nice to see how the other half lives and, and know it's, it's not really so different after all from all the challenge that the federal organizations are contending with. Right. Well, I think that wraps this up for this week. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week on July 24th with another weekly recap of our daily news. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll look forward to seeing you then.